Hi, welcome to Conversations with Sammy. I am your host, and I'm so glad you're here. I believe in the miraculous impact of a powerful storytelling. And right here is where I invite everyday people like you and I to share their real, raw, and unedited journeys. In our conversations, we express our feelings, we celebrate our struggles, we share our visions, and together we aim to live a more fulfilling life. In this conversation, I speak with Capri. As the noise is getting louder regarding the new normal replacing the way we think, behave, work, learn, travel, and interact with one another, many people are awakening to the new truth. If you are questioning the new roles being mandated to our lives, if you are seeking answers regarding the mask wearing and the vaccines, know that you are not alone. Capri and I dive into her research outside the mass media narrative and what she found might provide new insights and inspirations. Enjoy. Hello, Capri. Hi, Sammy. How are you? Oh, I am good. I am waiting here for you. How are you today? I am so wonderful. Thank you so much for asking. How are you? Oh, um, I'm great. Thanks. Um, I am so excited to speak about the topics that we will. And I was just reflecting here, um, looking at some notes I drew and how I want to go about it. And I'm just thinking, man, like I get, I get excited about this, not like worked up, but, but passionate to, to finally actually for the first time to speak my views on, on the topics that we'll be discussing. So this is a, this is a new um, topic for me and especially for my podcast. So thank you for being the part of this. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Yeah. I totally understand that. Um, kind of uh, discovery phase and um, I definitely have obsessive behavior so whenever I start to researching research something I just dive really deep into it so <laughs> I <laughs> totally yeah. understand the excitement yeah and um, yeah you said dive in deeply and it's like the more I research the, the deeper it gets you know as they say that the rabbit hole is just so deep and I feel like what we find through these um, independent platform, as I call them, because my research is not, you know, through Google mm -hmm. or the, the, the mass media. There's nothing there of truth in my mind or, or in my okay. view to find. So the, the deeper I go, the more I find. It's like, holy cow, um, you know, I don't have too many people in my life who are researching this the way um, perhaps you do or I do. People are very careful with um, their opinions. They don't mm -hmm. want to speak too loudly. They almost whisper when they talk about this stuff. And I said, yeah. hell with it, you know. Yeah. This, is, this is the time. Like, when yeah. are we going to speak up? Well, what I have found is, so I've started researching these topics probably just in the last year. And what I've found is that it's only going to get harder to talk about them. It's only going to get harder um, with either censorship or um, just oh, the conversation only tends to get more and more heated as time goes on. So if there is a time to speak up, it's now because it's only going to get harder to raise your voice as, you know, things happen, legislation passes, 
um, kind of the uh, talking points around a lot of these um, subjects get very, very emotional. Mm-hmm. And so now is the time to research. Now is the time to get the facts. And um, yeah, I, I definitely would encourage everyone listening to uh, not trust everything I say. Um, everything that I'm going to be saying today uh, is backed up by you know a, a government website or um, a study or something like that. So I would really encourage everyone um, as they're listening to just jot down some of the keywords and then go research yourself, go read it yourself. Cause it's really important whenever you do have those conversations with other people that you are able to back up what you say. You don't want to say, Oh, I just heard a girl on a podcast say this. You want to be able to go to the source yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, there's plenty of truth if you're open to it. Mm-hmm. And um, we will be sharing, I will be sharing my my sites that I go to and uh, feel free to share where you find the information and I'll, I'll tag in the post when uh, I post this episode. And you know, um, you mentioned cen- censorship and man, that's something I've heard like back in the day, like history times mm-hmm. when, you know, it's dangerous to for women to speak or for people of color, whatever, it was such a like bizarre, like it, it happened. It's a history, but you know, what I'm finding is that history is just really repeating itself. This is not a new situation we are in. And perhaps for our generation, it's, it's a newer thing because it's been some decades. And I think there's a reason why it's, it's not as often, Mm -hmm. you know, the people that experience this must kind of dissolve for, for the newbies to be like, oh my God, this is so new. I don't know what to do, but it's not really. And so, right. yeah, you know, experiencing myself, you know, my f- several of my posts being taken off, I was like, what in the world? Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, it was just mind-blowing. Right, because it's so counter to what we've been told. We've been told we're in the information age. We're in the age where you can have thousands and thousands and millions of data available at our fingertips and so when there is a section of that information um kind of blocked it's it's very counter to what we kind of grew up in um and what we're told that we we have all this information in the palm of our hands in our phones and so when when that information isn't there it's very counter counterintuitive to what our current culture is mm-hmm. and it is true. I definitely see the overwhelm with a lot of information everywhere from every angle, and it could be really confusing to people. And I think a lot of the conspiracy theory, theory label shows up as like, oh, well, those are lies and the truth is on TV and the government right. and everything else. You shall not pay attention. Yeah, but exactly. that makes me question, like, why? You right, know, right. and mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of people perhaps believe that the censored information is a lie, but there's a reason why it's censored. If it was a lie and it was completely not true, then why bother, why invest so much in firm or energy like these main uh, giants like Facebook and Google mm-hmm. and YouTube are actually going after, you know, simple people like even you and I. So it's like right. mixed questions and um, yeah, we'll, we'll go deeper into that. Right. Yeah. And I always, whenever I research something, I always think of who can benefit, you know, who's benefiting from censoring this information. I am just a regular person. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a mom, I'm a military veteran. I was a yoga teacher. Like I'm just a regular Jane, you know, 
per- regular person, I have nothing to advance from everything that I talk about. I have no financial, you know, s- stakes in anything that I say. But the ones that are censoring, you, you know, it's interesting to look at their financial conflict of interest and who are they getting ad um, revenue from and who, you know, pays for their grants, their research grants. And, you know, just looking into a lot of the back door type things, the things that are going on in the background, you're like, hmm, okay, makes a little bit more sense that this would be censored because now you're messing with someone's money. You're messing with someone's, you know, power. Mm-hmm. So normally whenever I try to look at something, um, I, I think about, okay, what what's at stake here? What is everybody's kind of agenda with this? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the big, big agenda, it's, whoa, it's very overwhelming. I don't think we'll go into that. People can research. And again, yes. you know, what you and I say today, question it, research it, don't believe it, whatever. But my intention of our conversation is to perhaps inspire those who are questioning things that it's okay to question. It's okay to go um, behind the the mass media information and just kind of dig in and see really for mm-hmm. yourself. Um, yeah. You know, feed your curiosity. And yeah, speaking of the censorship and and um, and the information we are fed from from the main resources, you know, like let's um, let's start with the mask topic. Capri, when was the what was the moment for you when you were okay, this doesn't seem right for me. What the hell? Let me, let me dig in. Yeah, definitely. So I, um, I've never worn a mask. Um, everywhere that I've gone, uh, I have a, a medical exemption to wear a mask and I'm in the state of Virginia. So our mask ma- mandate didn't happen, I believe until June timeframe or around then. Um, And so early on in this whole lockdown um, kind of coronavirus situation, I did a lot of research. I was uh, watching all the press conferences. I had um, my baby last November. So we actually kind of self-quarantined ourselves starting um, in January, February timeframe when I was first hearing reports from China. Um, I was definitely very concerned about um, a virus, especially having a newborn and um, but I wanted facts. I wanted to know exactly what was going on. So I, I just paid attention to the press conferences and I watched the Surgeon General say that public don't need to wear masks. I watched Dr. Fauci say masks aren't effective. I might block a droplet or two, but there, it, it doesn't do any viral protection or prevent any viral transmission. Mm-hmm. So I remember all of them saying all of this. And I remember going to the World Health Organization website and there was this, you know, 15 minute long video about how ineffective masks are and that they're just to be reserved for in a clinical setting. And so I I really took that advice. And then when the conversation started to shift and I started to realize a few other things that were going on, I really started to do a lot more research and looking in clinical studies and trying to find what doctors were saying about it. And I actually found this wonderful doctor. His name is Dr. Meehan, that's M-E-E-H-A-N. And he was talking about how a lot of these um, mass studies were done in a clinical setting. So 
you can't any any study that you see on the CDC that says masks are effective, you can't extrapolate the findings of that study into our environment. We don't live in an operating room. Our schools aren't, you know, ORs. We cannot take what happens in a hospital and apply that in a grocery store or a gas station or anything like that. And so a lot of it just didn't make sense. And I don't have a medical background. So I was just listening to these other doctors. And then when I started to realize that they were getting censored and it was harder and harder to try to find um, their voice, I I really started to question even more. And that kind of goes back to what I was talking about before, where you look and see, okay, who these doctors aren't gaining anything by speaking out. If anything, they're losing you know, um, credibility, they're losing business, perhaps. And so I I really started to listen to them more. And um, there were plenty of doctors that said, uh, uh, OR, they don't use a mask to prevent viral transmission, they use a mask to make sure that any bodily fluids don't go into their mouth or nose to make sure that if they have a sniffle or something, it doesn't go into any spittle, it doesn't go into um, whatever they're operating on. So it was never, ever about viral transmission. If you look at what virologists wear, they have the hazmat suit, they have, you know, this um, oxygen tank, they have gloves on. I mean, there's just no way that an old t-shirt sewn into a mask is going to prevent a virus from either coming out or coming in. So then, um, as you know, of course, I have a, um, my business, um, my degrees in business management. So when all the masks started getting mandated, I knew that a lot of the big companies were going to start to take advantage of this amazing, probably Mm -hmm. highly profitable um, opportunity because masks don't cost a lot to make. And so I started seeing businesses like Old Navy, um, Bella and Canvas, uh, Target, Walmart, all of these um, online realtors, or I'm sorry, retailers um, were providing all of these different masks. And of course, they had beautiful like little colorings and designs on them. And when I went onto the website and I clicked on it, almost every single one had a disclaimer on the mask a description saying that they do not provide any protection against viral transmission or any prevention of a virus. So I'm like, why in the world would you would you use this mask? The whole point of the mask is to prevent me spreading the virus to somebody else or me getting the virus. So if this the own company is disclaiming that this mask does not provide that protection, why am I wearing it? Why am I why am I dealing with all of this? And so I just started to dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And the more that I dug, the more I realized that there was no scientific reason for wearing a mask. There was there was zero evidence, zero um, scientific, you know, medical evidence that using a mask in a you know a, a, in the public, going to get groceries, doesn't provide the protection that we need. And when the CDC first changed course and they came out with that study about the asymptomatic carrier uh, for the coronavirus, I read it. And I remember as I was reading, I was like, oh man, okay, so asymptomatic carriers can transmit you know, the virus, that's horrible. But then a few weeks later, 
the study was revised that the primary um, patient in that study did have symptoms. She was not asymptomatic. She had a stuffy nose, and I believe she also had a little bit of a fever. So the whole study that started this mask mandate wasn't even valid, wasn't even true. And you can go and research this yourself. You can go look it up yourself. It was revised a few weeks after the CDC um, used it as their their recommendation. So after researching all that, that was kind of my reason of, okay, they're not effective. Masks aren't effective. We know this. Doctors are saying this. The CDC, the WHO said that they weren't effective. So do do they cause any harm? I mean, what's the harm in wearing them? And as I've gone deeper into that, I realized there is a lot of harm. There are dentists that are now saying there's a rise in the risk of gum disease. There's a rise in cavities. Um, they've called it mask mouth, where the mask creates this warm, wet environment inside of the mask, but it causes dry mouth where disease can happen, gum disease can happen. Now there's eye doctors that are coming out that that fungus or bacteria are going into the eyes and causing eye issues. Um, there's an uptick for ER doctors with um, fungal um, bacterial infections, staph infections. I mean, if you go onto Cosmopolitan or you go into any of these other style websites, there's going to be a whole bunch of articles on mask me, you know, having mass acne and having really horrible things happening with our skin and it just doesn't make sense if these masks aren't effective they don't work and they cause all these other things you know bodily harm and can cause scarring and can cause us to actually go into the hospital which is the very thing we're trying to avoid then why mandate it why why play along with it why still still go with it and so um, there are many things I could probably take up the whole hour talking about, <laughs> but those are the, those are the, the main points that really got me researching into it. And I thankfully have not had one experience where I've gone out in public without a mask where anybody has been nasty to me. I have heard a lot of stories from other people, but, um, I think people are just happy to see me smile when I go to the grocery store. I think they're just happy to see someone that doesn't look like a zombie. <laughs> they're just, mm -hmm. you know, um, personable. I mean, as humans, we're meant to communicate. We're meant to relate with one another. And when you have half of your face blocking, that that's a lot of nonverbal communication that has been blocked. And so thankfully, I've not had, I mean, knock on wood, I've not had any horrible situation. But if I ever did, I've done all the research that I can back up my stance. And mm -hmm. I... I, I think knowledge um, can empower you. The more knowledge you have, more the more confidence you have. And so that's why I've done a lot of the digging. And you know, I have all of this saved on my phone. And anywhere I do go, I like, for example, Costco, when they first came out with their mandate, the CEO has in his on the Costco website that they do honor medical exemptions. So when I went to Costco, I printed it out. <laughs> <laughs> I had my my governor's order with the exemption on there. I was ready to go. I was, you know, I felt like I was mentally and emotionally prepared. And then they didn't give me any issue. They just, you know, let me write in. So, hmm. you know, it All just right. depends depends on where you are. But I was prepared. And I think that's where a lot of people 
might have some anxiety about is that they don't have all of that prepared. So I would encourage everyone, you know, go look at these studies, go look at all of this mm-hmm. and, you Absolutely. know, and let it, let it um, create that firm foundation for you. So if you do get opposition, you can stand firm. Yeah. Good for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> Good for you that uh, you do what, you know, to be truth and um, mm-hmm. yeah, you protect yourself in that way. That's amazing. And what's going through my mind is people might be listening and saying, oh, my gosh, wow, that is true. But like, what do I do about it? Because in many states and including Illinois, Chicago, is, um, it's quite strict with the mask wearing in mm-hmm. grocery stores. And, um, you know, there was one time when I went to Whole Foods with my mother and my mother's on board. She's all into research and rabbit hole. She knows what's up. And she's like, I'm not wearing a mask. And she lives an hour away from the city. So in suburbs, it's a bit less hectic. You know, you can not wear a mask and people will not hunt you down or tell you to leave. However, in the city, you know, she was um, approached by um, one of the clerks, just like, ma'am, put on a mask. And then she said, no, I'm not going to. And then the security guy came with the box of masks. And he almost was like, ma'am, please put on a mask. Like he's doing his job. But, mm-hmm. you know, to that extent and, you know, doing a research also like other countries are, in much worse shape where people are even physically abused and you know countries like Australia they're breaking into people's homes to make sure they're wearing masks it's just it's gotten really out of control and you know to me seeing these events unfold the way they do it's just another confirmation that this is not for our safety this has nothing to do with our health Mm -hmm. and um I, I want to read a little bit. Uh, I took some notes and just thought provoking. We don't have to dive into this, but I would just like to say it out loud. Um, just a couple points. Know the facts before you wear a mask. And a lot of what you said, you know, um, decreases oxygen intake, increases mm-hmm. toxic inhalation, which our breath that we breathe out is meant to be let out, released, not to inhale it back in, which is extremely toxic. Yes. It shuts mm-hmm. down, the mask shuts down the immune system increases viral or actually virus risk uh, and is like you said scientifically is very inaccurate and effectiveness it's not studied so like you mentioned first we were told that mask wearing would do more harm than good Mm -hmm. and the narrative changed now the pandemic is turning out to be less harmful than the flu but we are being told to wear the mask and so Austin Council threatens $2,000 fine for not wearing a mask. And like I mentioned, in countries like Australia, people's homes are being broken into and they get arrested for not wearing a mask at their own home or for posting their views on COVID masks, et cetera, on social media. In Greece, people go to jail for six months for not wearing a mask. And so science tells us that these masks are doing nothing but harming our immune system. So why is it important that we wear a mask? Mm -hmm. And what I found, um, I want to share. So if we look at it as a initiation ritual, which can be found in ancient tribes, religion, all the way up to mother gang, fraternities, and in the military, psychological studies has taught us how initiation ritual works. Primarily, how they increase a person's desire to conform to the group they are being initiated to. The ritual is almost always the same. First, the initiate is isolated, locked down in our case. 
Their, their familiar everyday routines are disrupted and their normal rules of living are altered. The initiates are made to look the same. Their heads may be shaved, they may be giving matching outfits, or they may be instructed to wear a mask, our case. These symbolic techniques get the initiate from their unique identity so they can cease to see themselves as an individual and begin seeing themselves as a part of the group. The wearer of the mask loses its previous identity and begins to seek a new one. The initiate is then subjected to just enough trauma to put them in a mild state of cognitive dissonance, which means the state of having inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, or attitudes, especially as related to behavioral decisions and attitude change. This dissonance puts the person into a state of confusion and anxiety, a lot of it these days. They are now ready to be transformed into a member of initiating group. In their isolation, thoughts they have ignored and buried for years suddenly become unavoidable. Emotions are triggered and a new window of thought is opened into initiative's mind. And in this state, the new normal is introduced, which is everywhere on the news these days. Mm -hmm. This worldwide initiation ritual is creating a mass of separation in humanity. It's nothing to do with our well-being, like we said. The obedient is being initiated into a new normal, new age, the new world order, which we are seeing. A world where science is no longer matters, a world where blind obedience is all that is respected, and where we can expect the obedient to turn against the rest of us. So what I'm seeing also is that people are, people are really turning against one another. It's like they're snitching and telling one another, you know, you're not wearing a mask. So when I found this information, this really related to me, makes sense, um, and it's deep. So I just wanted to share it. If you yeah. have a comment on it, go ahead. Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, I, I'm prior military, so I went through boot camp. And um, it's really interesting that you were talking about just kind of stripping the identity. That's exactly what boot camp does. It just strips everything that would distinguish you as your own individual because then you become a collective group. You become a unit. You become a flight, a squadron. Um, and yeah, I can absolutely, as you were speaking, I can absolutely see the parallels and a lot of what's going on. I mean, if you, that's why I've heard many, many times that it's not about your health, it's about control. Because if you really think about it, if these security guards and everyone else that has been enforcing these mandates, they wouldn't be scared of you for wearing, not wearing a mask. I mean, where are the biohazard bins to get rid of all these masks? I don't know how many times I've seen someone pull up to a grocery store parking spot, ruffle around in their glove compartment for their mask, and then put it on. I mean, that is not someone that who's genuinely afraid of a virus. That is not, I mean, when all of this first started going out, everybody was coming home and washing their groceries. They were, um, you know, if Amazon brought a box, they were cleaning the box or they'd let it outside for 24 hours in case there was a virus and, you know, let it die. Like, we are not in that frame of mind. So we obviously know this has nothing to do with the virus. And I've seen enough videos of someone chastising someone for not wearing a mask, but then they pull down their mask to yell at the person not wearing a mask. Mm. 
So at that point, you know it's not about your health. You know, because if you really was, you would be far away from that person. You wouldn't, you would be running. If you someone without a mask, you'd be running in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I completely agree with all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, you know, shifting from the mask. So now, everywhere we go, a lot of places we go, there is, you know, mask required to enter. And I've seen this meme, memes are everywhere. I love them. You know, it says, you know, mask required to enter underneath that vaccine required to enter. And then underneath that, like this ID 2020, which is the chip, which is uh, Mm -hmm. just another agenda, probably not going to touch on that required to enter. So knowing that masks don't work, let's shift into vaccines, Mm -hmm. which also don't work. Not only do they not work, they, they completely, they're a disaster. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) And um, I love speaking about this topic on your Instagram page. And you said, you know, your account kind of blew up with Mm -hmm. the demand of people that are searching for this information and you have plenty of your own experience in vaccines. So tell me your story. When was the awakening call for you that this this thing that is injected into human bodies is an absolute poison yeah absolutely so like I said I was military I'm probably the most vaccinated person you'll ever meet um from you know I was a military brat my parents are military so every single time I I moved you know I got I got booster shots and all that and of course nobody kept my vaccine record so I'm sure I have just so much stuff going on in me which makes sense because I have, a, you know, a few, quite a few health issues. But my um, time in the military, I did five years, and every single winter, the flea vaccine uh, was mandated. And uh, every single time I got the flu, it was just so crazy because every, you know, all of my commanders said, okay, you need to get this shot because um, we, we need to make sure that nobody gets out in the flu. Um, it's to preserve mandates to make sure that uh, people are covering their missions. But when I got the shot, I would get sick and I'd be out of the office three to five days. So it didn't even accomplish what it was meant to prevent. Well, the last year that I was in, I actually got intense stomach pains. And um, I found out later on that's an adverse reaction. And I ended up having go to go to the ER. So not only did I also get the flu, but I also got these stomach pains. But even then at that point, I still was very pro for these products. I still supported these products, especially for children because of, you know, all the vaccine preventable diseases. And I read, you know, all the things that were super scary about all of them. And so I was still kind of in that mindset. Okay. Yeah. I still see like the value in these fast forward a few years. I was pregnant with my daughter and unfortunately um, a few of my friends have suffered miscarriages and complications in their pregnancies. So my entire pregnancy, I was just scared to death that something was going to happen with mine. So I was very, very careful. Um, I did a lot of research, read a lot of books. And in the third trimester, towards the end of the second trimester, beginning of third trimester of pregnancy, the CDC recommends um, a vaccine called Tdap. And I remember I was sitting in my doctor's office and um, the midwife offered me this Tdap. And I remember just being so shocked. Like, what do you mean? I can't have certain teas. I can't even change my cat's litter. I can't have ibuprofen. Why would it be okay for me to have something injected in me? 
So I went back home and I, I, you know, I said, let me do some more research. So I went back home and my mom is a trained researcher. She has her degree from Cal State Fullerton. So I said, hey, mom, can you research this for me? Because at that time I was so focused on what a contraction felt like and what to pack in my baby bag that I wasn't even thinking about immunizations. So she went and researched for a few days. And then when she called me again, she was in a state of panic. And my mom is not that type of person to be overly emotional, but she was in just state of panic. And I remember just being so overwhelmed. She was just almost she like her voice was, was cracking and she was just so worried about me and um, her future granddaughter. And so I remember we ended up getting into a fight. I called her a crazy anti-vaxxer. I said some really mean things to her and I was just like, you are off your rocker, mom. Like you need to check yourself. You need to like figure out what's going on because it was so doom and gloom and it was so overwhelming that I just totally hardened my heart to her. And so we were not okay for a few months. You know, we still talked and stuff, but there was still the underlying um, awkwardness there. And then fast forward to when my daughter was born, I had this intuition in my gut to say, okay, HEP B is offered within 24 hours of a child being born. HEP B is a virus that is typically contracted um, where um, drug users and um, promiscuous people having sex. That's not my daughter. At 24 hours years old, she's not doing those things. I tested negative for HEP B, so there's no reason for her to have HEP B. So we declined it in the hospital, and I'm so glad we did. And it wasn't until the visit with a pediatrician right after the hospital, when they asked me again if I wanted to give my daughter Hep B, they were just so kind of nasty about it. And it was really something that I wasn't expecting. And I said, "Yeah, I researched this. Um, we're not. In, we're we're, gonna, we're not going to do it." And I remember the pediatrician telling me, "Well, what if?" Your great uncle Albert kissed your daughter with dry cracked lips. She wouldn't be protected from this virus. And I just remember thinking, what? That's such an odd situation. That's such, first of all, I don't have a great uncle Albert. And second of all, everybody knows that you don't kiss newborn babies. And so it just, it started planting those seeds of doubt for me. And so then I started researching more and more and my mom and I were still kind of at odds and um, I just wanted to do the research myself. So I went on to the CDC website and I looked up the immunization schedule and I looked up all of the, because with each recommended um, shot, there are several manufacturers that manufacture that shot and the CDC has listed all of the trade names for those shots. So I looked up the trade names and if you just type in one of the trade names, so for example, HEP B, uh, one of the trade names is Energex uh, B. So I typed in Energex B, FDA, and then insert. And I pulled up the insert, and this is straight from the manufacturer. And I scrolled down to look at the adverse reactions. Now, I know this now, but I didn't know it at that time. Whenever a vaccine goes to market, a lot of times the clinical studies are only a few days to a few weeks. There are no long-term studies on a lot of these human trials for vaccines. So what happens is when a vaccine goes to market, it enters a passive surveillance system. 
Now that means that if someone was administered a vaccine and they had a reaction, it would be on that person to let their doctor know, and then it would be on the doctor to let the manufacturer know, or there is a federal um, reporting system called uh, VAERS, V-A-E-R-S. And so this, in the post-marketing, it's called a post-marketing um, section in the adverse reactions. Everything that's been there means that somebody has had a reaction after the vaccine went to market and have reported it back to the manufacturer. So, which also means there could be more, but we don't know because if that person didn't know that it was from the vaccine or didn't know to report it, then then we don't know. So anyway, so this these are things that have been reported. And I started looking at all of them and eczema was one. And I started realizing almost all of my friends that have had babies, all of their babies are suffering from eczema. And that just seems really crazy to me that so many of these babies have eczema. Um, there's a, a slew of other, there's um, like paralysis. There's um, so many more very devastating adverse reactions on these inserts that to me, in my mind, are way worse than what the product is trying to prevent. So then I started doing more and more and more. And I started going through the whole CDC schedule. And that's what you kind of, you mentioned what I've been posting on Instagram. And that's what I started posting. I started posting just from the CDC, just from the FDA and the manufacturer. What do they say? I didn't want to have any other information because I, I didn't want to have any risk of misinformation. I didn't want to have any risk of overly emotional doom and gloom graphics types of things. So I just started posting what exactly is on the insert. And I, you know, provided all my links and my resources resources. And my account blew up and I got so many messages from so many other parents, mom and dad and grandparents, saying that they were searching for this information. They knew deep deep down inside that there was something wrong. They or the their their children have had a reaction that's exactly in the insert. And almost every single person that I've talked to, there's been this kind of frustration, disappointment, and anger towards the medical profession industry because they should know this. As as a as a average Joe mom, I shouldn't be the one providing informed consent to all of these people. It should come from your pediatrician. It should come from your OBGYN. So then I started getting more into, to, okay, why? Why aren't these people kind of whistleblowing on all this? Why isn't this in the news? Why, you know, the flu shot, um, there's four flu manufacturers for the flu shot. All of them have influenza-like illness as an adverse reaction on the flu shot. Some of them have um, Guillain-Barre disease or syndrome, which is paralysis. I mean, it's just ridiculous some of the things that are on there. Um I think insomnia was on there, photophobia is on there, so sensitivity to light. So there are so many adverse reactions that people are probably getting but have no idea that it's tied to that product because they're not even receiving the informed consent that they should be getting. If we knew the risks of a product, then we would be able to look for any of those reactions and be able to report them. Um, So that's kind of how... 
I got into this uh, world and I will say that it's, it's heavily censored and that's kind of where I went back before, okay, who's to benefit, who, who benefits from this censorship. And I, you know, it's kind of conspiracy theorists, but it is the manufacturers. It is, you know, pharmaceutical companies. And, and what really kind of clinched it for me is when I realized that the CDC uh, has a foundation called the CDC Foundation, and all of their co- corporate donors, most of their corporate corporate donors are pharmaceutical companies. So as someone that used to work in government contracts, I can see right there that there's a conflict of interest. I mean, you can go look it up yourself. It's, you know, go to the CDC Foundation, type in corporate donors, and you'll see Merck, you'll see Sanofi, you'll see uh, Glaxon Klein Smith, you'll see all of them on there. And to me, as the CDC recommending those products and kind of mandating it, I mean, it's technically recommendations, but you go to any pediatrician's office, they're going to mandate you follow the schedule. It doesn't make sense that a government agency as the CDC would have corporate financial donors for the very products that they're recommending. So that's a lot of information just that I just threw at you. But um, I, I always say in order to accept a part of this situation, you have to understand the whole of it because there is a large government agency that should be disclosing all of this that should be holding these manufacturers accountable and they aren't and that's where it comes on the parents and that's where it comes on um, just average people like me to trying to say hey this is wrong this needs to be changed and there's people that are suffering from this and there are you just look at the cancer rates you look at the autism rates you look at the autoimmune rates and if you pair those with the rates of vaccination um, for the United States in just the last 30, 40 years, it's alarming. It's really alarming. Yeah. Wow. You're, you did some digging. That's amazing. I love it. And, you know, if anyone is listening and hearing this for the first time, I'm sure the mind is, is really blown and there might be a lot of resistance that this is not true. How dare you, you know, um, because we trust, we trust the people, the authority people, you know, the government, the the medical, Mm -hmm. because we don't do our research, because there's doctors and they tell us. Mm -hmm. But, you know, from from your point and my point, um, it's, it's mandatory that we do. Uh, The obedience does not lead us um, to our own good. And, you know, listening to you, when you said, you know, you, you, you were pregnant, and, and your daughter was born, um, and confirm this because I only heard this from my friends who have children when the baby's born there's like a list of vaccines and you mentioned I think one or a few of them that is ready to be injected but how how many of the vaccines are waiting for the baby so there are two products um, that are administered typically right when a child is born it's the vitamin k shot which technically is not a vaccine it's a drug it's a synthetic um, it's not actual vitamin K, it's a synthetic vitamin K. And we did give that to our daughter because when I was first researching, I obviously didn't do enough research. And um, she has been later diagnosed with colic and jaundice because of the vitamin K. Um, I didn't realize that the vitamin K shot has a black box warning from the FDA, which um, includes death 
as an adverse reaction. So I am, I just have a lot of guilt for not researching as much as I should have, but I'm just so grateful. You know, it was hard dealing with everything that we dealt with, but I'm just so grateful that she, you know, we didn't lose her just because I didn't do enough research. But the other product is um, hepatitis B. Those are the typically the first two that are available um, and sometimes mandated for children at birth. Um, the next, there's a so, so interesting uh, vaccines wane, the effectiveness, which I'm using air quotes effectiveness, because I don't think a product is effective if you can get the very thing you're trying to uh, prevent, but um, the effectiveness wanes. So that's why booster shots are typically needed. So a booster for hep B is around one month. And then at two months old, there's, I believe, four or five shots that are mandated or recommended by the CDC um, for children. And that includes rotavirus, um, HIV, uh, I think it's DTaP, and um, Prevnar. Uh, so those are all ones that have a slew of adverse reactions on them. And then the boosters for all those are provided at four months and then six months. So I think, I can't remember, but somebody once calculated all of the shots that are given. And before a child turns like 12 or something, they're given 69 shots, which is just outrageous. We never, you know, I'm in my 30s. We never had that many shots uh, recommended by the CDC growing up. And so it just is very alarming how many shots are given. Um, uh, it- it's insane wow I did not know the number was so high yeah it's it's horrible and and the CDC is wanting to add more Mm -hmm. they want to I mean they're not stopping there if you if the CDC puts a shot on the schedule they're never taking it off they're going to be adding more and more and more and more and so that's kind of what I was saying like it the time to speak up is now the time to research all of this is now because it's only going to get worse And, you know, Capri, if I was to just kind of ponder on, so, okay, a human is born before they hit 12, they're injected with 69 vaccines. So I'm starting to think it's, of course, it is a a plan, but it's also to kind of make the, the human believe that you were born into this disease, dangerous, toxic planet, which is not the case. Mm -hmm. It's so abundant in love and all the goods and, and so in my eyes, the vaccine blocks what we actually wouldn't receive without them, this abundance of, of light and, and food and water and all the goodness that actually exists in the air and the, the frequencies, the energies. And so it's instilled that this is a dangerous place. You need to have a vaccine every mm-hmm. year, several of them. And so also it leads to you know, thinking that we are the parasites on this right. planet. We, we are destroying this. So we need to be censored and, and vaccinated and all that. But it's, um, it's very twisted from what I believe to be truth because mm-hmm. we are not parasites or, or bad people, human beings in, in general, they're, they're great, they're wonderful creatures. And right, yeah. if we are made believe they believe that we are not that. So of course we're going to accept these orders and act in ways from that. Yeah, that's a great point because if you go onto the CDC website, a lot of them have the history of diseases on there. 
and the CDC itself, I mean, I just, I just did um, for rotavirus and on the CDC website, it says before the rotavirus vaccine hit the market, I think it was around 2004, 2005, um, annually, there were 20 to 60 deaths um, from rotavirus. And if you look at the, the latest available census from 2010, um, if you looked at the percentage of that, it was like 0.0000% mm-hmm. chance. And so it's just a lot of these diseases were already on the decline or were not necessarily as dangerous as one would seem. And even on the CDC website, it says that rotavirus is extremely deadly, but then it has the caveat in developing countries because rotavirus is transmitted through stool, for, through fecal matter. And so if you're in a developing country that doesn't have access to clean water, there's not infrastructure for personal hygiene, of course that that virus is going to be rampant. Of course it's going to be transmitted. But in America, we have that infrastructure. You know, we have uh, bathrooms in our houses, sometimes multiple bathrooms in our houses. You know, when we change a diaper, we go and wash our hands. When we go to the bathroom, we go and wash our hands. That is that right there is your vaccine. That's how you prevent from transmitting the rotavirus from getting it. And kind of what you were saying before about some of these other diseases, like for example, varicella, which is chickenpox, there have been studies that if you get chickenpox as a child, it can provide that immunity or that um kind of biological uh, strength to prevent certain cancers later on in life. And, you know, same thing for, um, I think, mumps as well. And so, uh, oh, and then also for, I'm sorry, what I was thinking, uh, measles, measles. So with measles, if you get measles, you have lifelong immunity. And the amazing thing is, is that as a mother, if you get measles as a child, you have that lifelong immunity. When you give birth to your child, you transfer that immunity for a year, the first year of their life, which is probably the most, you know, that's definitely the most vulnerable for that child. If that child got measles, it'd be really hard. But, but the way that our bodies are designed are so amazing to know that we could transfer that immunity to the child. So then if it did, you know, get exposed to measles, it would have immunity. And then once that immune system for the child is built up, it would be okay after a year to deal with measles. And so I think by science messing with, um, and I and I say science because, uh, in air quotes as well, because a lot of these studies are funded by the manufacturers themselves. So I, I honestly think that a lot of this is kind of fake science. If you actually go to the actual research of independent, you know, researchers, it's going to paint a completely different story. But um, we have gone to pharma uh, to provide this way of life that is so opposite than the way that we're designed. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of years of of evolving to this part, um, this biological strength that we have in our bodies, we're completely messing with it. And... I, I think that it's just doing way more harm than good. Uh, mentally, emotionally, physically, it's just causing a lot of issues in our society than, than it's worth. And now this vaccine that some people are waiting anxiously, which is the coronavirus vaccine. Um, and 
it it seems like in some places, countries, areas of the world, it will be a mandatory thing. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, the manipulation. If you want to go back to normal, if you want to fly, if right. you want to go to work, you must have this vaccine. And Mr. Bill Gates, who is a, a techie guy, which is another research someone can do, the biggest funder of um, the pharmaceutical, mm-hmm. the, the who he's in involved in all of CDC, exactly. Mm-hmm. So he, he pours a lot of money into um, making these vaccines, saying that probably one shot won't be enough. Mm-hmm. And so something I found is that uh, it, it has been said, you know, when the coronavirus vaccine begins to hit the market, there's probably going to be a lot of deaths and complications, and that will be blamed on the virus. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And then all vaccine side effects will be blamed on the virus. Um all vaccine failures will be used to demand more doses. Mm. And is it true that vaccine companies cannot really be sued because there is no proof? Correct. Yeah. So um, a really interesting thing to research is the uh, Vaccine Childhood Immunization Act. I think that's what it stands for, um, of of 1986. So that um, legislation allowed vaccine manufacturers to make a product and if that product caused any adverse reactions those manufacturers could not be held liable so whenever there is an adverse reaction or an injury or a death a individual will go to the vaccine court which is a federally funded court it is a family man- managed. So manufacturers have no skin in the game. They, they, um, in, in the court, they do not have to defend themselves. They don't have lawyer fees. They don't have anything. They, they cannot be sued for their products. And same thing for the Corona vaccine, coronavirus vaccine. So I don't know if you've seen in the news, but there's been a few articles that have said people are, concerned that there is not enough federal funding in the coronavirus vaccine injury court. They are worried that there's enough, not enough money to pay people for any injury or death that could occur from this coronavirus vaccine. Now that right there should be concern enough for people. If, if the vaccine hasn't even hit the market yet and they're already worried about how much money is going to cover the injuries, that should be a red flag right there. And the interesting thing is, at least for all of the vaccines that are already on the market, that federally funded court is not from the, the manufacturer manufacturers. That's from a 75 cent tax on every single shot that's admitted, administered. So we pay our own injury compensation for a manufacturer's product. They don't even pay for it. Now, what's really scary about the coronavirus vaccine, and there's some amazing doctors um, that are speaking out about all of this, is that the vehicle and type of vaccine that they're producing has never been used before. It's called an mRNA vaccine, and this is something definitely to research. And it alters our DNA. So we have no idea how this new vaccine is going to affect the population. And if you look at the vaccine um, human trials that are happening right now, they have the healthiest of healthiest of people. And yet two of the UK um, 
patients have already developed autoimmune issues. They've already had severe side effects. So if these are the healthiest and healthiest of people, how are the people in our society, like the, our children, pregnant women, elderly population, how are they going to respond to this vaccine? And I think that's why there are a few politicians that are all that there's not enough funding in the compensation court. Now, I think if a virus has a very high survivability rate, like the coronavirus does, I think if um, it's a, uh, a virus similar like the flu, where we've already know, we already know that it mutates, we already know that it changes all the time. So like for the flu vaccine, they have to do, um, they have to do research every single year to create a new flu strain. If that's the same for the coronavirus, then why would we think that the coronavirus vaccine is going to save us? Why would we think that it would provide that freedom we're so desperately looking for? It's not in a virus. It's not in a mask. It's by contacting our legislators and saying we're done. It's by telling our politicians we're done. We are not afraid of this virus anymore. We're not afraid of our neighbor. We're not afraid of of hugging um, our family and friends. We can mitigate any complications of this virus with Dr. Simon Gold is amazing. She's on Twitter. She has many, 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 many patients that she's dealt with that she's handled with the coronavirus. Um, so it just, it doesn't make a lot of sense that we would be putting our faith in a syringe. And I would really highly encourage anyone listening to definitely, please, please, please do your research before lining up to get it because um, there's a lot of, lot of red flags. A lot of red flags, yes. And um, I love that we mentioned some of them and I hope this conversation will inspire people to, to question and think outside of the, of, of the norm information that is floating around and, um, and it's okay. Um, don't fear, mm-hmm. you, you are safe. Um, whatever people will think what they think, it's, you know, for me, it's I'm more passionate who will I inspire rather who will I piss off or, mm-hmm. or lose a follower or a friend. That's not about that. It's a very serious case. And um, I also encourage people to, to dig in. What is COVID? Is it really the, the virus dangerous to our health? Or is it more a, a mind control agenda that has a big, a big, a big picture, um, a big plan that perhaps has been planned for, for decades to get mm-hmm. to this point? So um, deep stuff and um, amazing. Um, thank you, Capri, again, yeah, for being here today. You. Yeah, well, I just want to say, you know, there's hope, there's goodness, there's happiness. Um, If you are questioning any of this, you are not alone. There are thousands of us, and we're all banding together. We're all waking up together. Um, There is a brighter day out there, and uh, we just need to open up our eyes and take off the masks and and realize that um, we're not alone in this at all. Thank you for bringing the brighter because there is a brighter day and I believe that the great awakening is ahead and this is a a phase, a part of this movie, so to speak, stage Mm -hmm. thing that it's very uncomfortable and it's very scary. But I believe that we people have the power because no one will is able to control the humanity, the population, the, the, the country, the city, if we do not obey. And if we do the research 
promise you there is so much truth that will allow you to speak up like mm -hmm. i when i started doing the research and talking to like-minded people like yourself i get discouraged like i get this you know strength to speak out my voice which is a very new thing to me you know three years ago it was a completely different phase and you know in these last seven months i've learned more about the world system the education system the health mm -hmm. system the financial system it's like this information is coming at me reaching my consciousness so that i could spread the message and we will be all right Yes. Um, like you say, everything will be okay, but we all must unite and speak mm -hmm. for ourselves. No one is going to save us. We have to do that. We have to unite and not separate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's why the censorship is there because just like you said, when we speak with one another, we become emboldened and we link arms and together we fight against this. And so, you know, if we're censored or we're separated, we can't do that. So that's the first step. And even if, um, even if there is anger right now or frustration from anything that I've said, I really urge, I really urge you to just dig deeper, really figure out where that anger is coming from, what's fueling that anger, um, what's the source of it, and really work through it. Um, I'm always available on Instagram as well, or, you know, Sammy, if you have anyone that has any questions to send them my way too, because I've been there. I know exactly what that anger feels like. And I just would encourage you to, to, you know, try to try to work through it, try to soften your heart a little bit, take a step back and um, ask yourself why, why is there anger? Why is there frustration? And maybe that can point you in some, some positive directions and some constructive ways of working through it. Absolutely. And um, another thing I want to mention, it's, you know, we have our own lives, we have our families, we have careers and, and illnesses and, 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 and health, whatever, our own worlds. And then there's this huge thing, you know, collectively happening. So it could be very overwhelming. But like you're saying, you know, you're not alone. There's a lot of like-minded people that are waking up. And as much as, in, as much of intensity and, and destruction and, and censorship and lies and craziness that is happening, the one thing it's doing that I'm seeing, it's awakening people mm -hmm. in masses and very quickly. I've never seen so many people um, speak the way they do. The curiosity, like you and I, I was asleep. I say asleep because I, I did not care about the world, who, what, what. I, I just mm -hmm. did what I was told. That that was comfort. But it's different. And in my eyes, this giant system is collapsing. And when something is ending and something new is arising and growing, there is this disturbance. And this is exactly where we are. Mm -hmm. But just like in personal journey in healing and recovery and self-development, there is this uncomfort when one is shifting from the old ways of being to something new, which is yet unknown. And I think this is exactly what's happening as a collective, as a humanity. And um, together we can, we can be strong. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Cool. Okay, Capri, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I'll tag some, um, some website and I, I will ask you in a text to, to, to share some of yours so I could tag in a post when this, is, when this comes out. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Me too. Okay, take care now. All right, bye. Bye. Hi, it's me again. I have a question for you. Would you like to be on my podcast? Do you or someone you know have a story to tell? Would you like to share your journey with me 
and inspire others to speak theirs. If so, feel free to contact me through my Instagram and Facebook accounts. You can find me by my name, Sammy Barks. Like the doggy. Woof! <laughs>